0: Have any of you ever read a book that you finish and you're like, I need to read that again? Um, There there are a couple of books that that I have read over and over again. Um, Obviously books like, you know, the Bible, Um, but uh, that's kind of a professional hazard for me. Um, But uh, one of the books I remember reading as as a child that uh, I have read over and over and over and over again is The Hobbit. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. uh, I've referenced those in in, in sermons and stuff. Those are books that, uh, um, you know, I've told you I didn't get into those until I was older, but I've read them several times since, partly because we read them to the kids, but uh, maybe because I might enjoy those a little bit. Uh, I've read them on my own for my own uh, enjoyment. But there there are different reasons that we reread books. Sometimes we reread a book because it was confusing, and you're like, I know that somebody said this was a great book, but it made no sense. So I'm going to read it again and hope that I will understand. Uh, sometimes we read it because we need mastery of a subject. And you read something through for a class or, or something like that, and, and you just didn't get it. So it's like, I better read that again. Sometimes we reread things because they're wonderful. As in, full of wonder. And they just draw us in. Sometimes they're inspirational, and they, they, they make us want to accomplish great things. And sometimes it's all of the above. Uh, I think that the way that we are organized um, in the church here is similar to this. When, when, when we come together each week, we, we find ourselves in different seasons, of the church year, So we come in and you know, the, the, the banners are different colors. You know. uh, Jerry is very kind to come in and, and change those for us, but it's not one of those things where he's sitting at home and th- you know, thinking, boy, it probably should be white because it's been a while since it's been white, or I think I like red. I'm going to come in and change it all to, to red. Uh, it, it matches a, a pattern, it matches a, a, a season. And the way that we organize this is roughly in two halves. Okay, so if you look at the uh, the pattern in front of you, you see that the the top side uh, is tells the story of Jesus. We call that the time of Christ. The lower side, um, we call that uh, the time of the church or uh, ordinary time. And that's where we tell the story of the people of God. And we kind of fluctuate back and forth between those uh, every year. But we do this because this is a story that we want to tell over and over and over again. And for me, when I think about it, that first half, the time of Christ, where we retell the story of Jesus is so important. So that we know what what Jesus did in order to save us. And so, you know, just thinking back through this year, um, actually back into last year, uh, we start with the Advent season at the end of November, and during Advent, we, we listen to prophecies, and, and we prepare for Jesus' coming, his first coming and his second coming, and then we get to Christmas, and there's actually a Christmas season, it's not just a, um, a day, you know, that song, the 12 days of Christmas, that's not before Christmas, that's after, Okay, and and, and so we have the season of Christmas where we celebrate his birth and and we celebrate salvation. And we have these readings about Jesus' childhood. And then we get into the epiphany season. That's what we're in right now. And and, and during the epiphany season, we remember that Jesus shows us, reveals to us. That's what an epiphany is. It's a a revelation. Shows us that he's God. So the readings often deal with his preaching, uh, his teaching, often his miracles during this time of year. And the season ends with the transfiguration, where Jesus goes up on the mountain and he shines in his glory, and three of his disciples witness that. That's followed by the season of Lent, a time of repentance, sin, suffering, death. Forty days of it. Uh, that starts the last Wednesday of this month, by the way, is Ash Wednesday. That's the first day of Lent. And during Lent, we have Holy Week, where we remember the, the events of the last week of Jesus' life, which comes to this great conclusion at Easter. You know, Lent is 40 days, but Easter is not just a Sunday, it's a season two, and it's 50 days. And we have this period of time where we hear about the things that Jesus did after he rose from the dead, and we, we celebrate his resurrection all the way through his ascension. And then we get into what we call the ordinary time or the time of the church beginning with, with, with Pentecost. Now, I bring this up because as we retell the story of Jesus, there are events that are remembered at particular dates every year. For instance, Christmas. When's Christmas? Will it be December 25th in 2020? 2021? Yeah, it just always is. It always is, okay? Um, and um, how about Epiphany? The Feast of Epiphany? January 6th. Yeah, every year. And, and this kind of makes sense because some events, they're anniversaries. Anniversaries happen on the, on the same date every year. Birthdays. Same date every year. And so even though we don't know when the Magi came, we don't know the exact day that Jesus was born, we set aside a day to remember, to celebrate. There are other festivals, other important events in Jesus' life that are remembered in relationship to other events. So, for instance, Jesus' circumcision eight days after he was born. So count out eight days, and the church commemorates the circumcision of Christ on that day. You probably don't even notice that, though, unless it happens to fall on a Sunday. They're just in the middle of the week, and you don't pay any attention. And today we're actually on a festival, and it's quite possibly one you've never even heard of. It's got this ridiculously long name. Today is the, uh, the purification of Mary and the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is 40 days after Christmas. Uh, there were sacrifices that were required by the law You know, reread that gospel lesson. See how many times that word law or the law of the Lord or the law of Moses, it's all the same thing, um, how many times that pops up. Because, you know, this, this whole thing is about fulfilling that law. And at 40 days after Jesus was born, there were things that were required of, well, of the mother and for the baby. I'm sorry. This is kind of this is kind of nerdy. It's who I am. Um, but uh, there basically there's three kinds of law, as, as we deal with this law of the Lord thing. Um, you have ceremonial laws. So these are the laws that you know they, they regulate the the religion and the worship and all of those things. There were civic laws. Israel was a nation, right? And they had laws with God as their king. And then there was the moral law. And the moral law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. So many of these ceremonial laws, they, they, they deal with events in people's lives and connect them to worship. And, and frankly, uh, a lot of it is, when are you worthy to come into God's presence for worship? When are you... Uh, ceremonially unclean. And when are you clean? And a lot, of these, a lot of these laws have to do with blood and other bodily fluids. They're rather interesting to read sometimes. So you got Mary, who just gave birth. Blood, bodily fluids, right? This is literally the first time she comes to church. And she comes to offer sacrifices to be ritually, ceremonially clean. And that was part of the requirement of the law. Now, at the same time, she has given birth to a firstborn son. There's another law that says that every firstborn son has to be redeemed. Because if you go back to the the story of the Exodus and and the plagues in Exodus, that last most terrible plague was the death of the firstborns. And so God says, every firstborn son belongs to me. And so with sheep and, and other animals that were used for sacrifices, it was required that they be sacrificed to the Lord. But God's not really big on human sacrifice, and he says this is what I want you to do. I want you to offer an animal in the place of your firstborn sons. That's that day. Are you still awake? Are you still with me? Cuz like I said this is, you know, this is some kind of kind of nerdy stuff here. But these are important events in the lives of, of, of Mary and of Jesus. And the reason that they're important is because these are things that they did, that Jesus did to fulfill the law on our behalf. So this is from Hebrews. This is, this is our second reading today. And uh, it says that since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus, when he was born, came to be one of us. And that means that he was born under the law. Now, we need to kind of back up a little bit because this sacrifice for for purity and and for the sacrifice for for, um, the redemption of Jesus, there were other laws. And I'd like for you to pause for a moment and think about what's the first command that Jesus or that God gives in the whole entire Bible. Do not eat from the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden. And what was the consequence for Adam and Eve if they were to eat from that fruit? Because in the day that you eat it, you will die. Jesus is born under that law. He partook of the same things that we partake of, which means that he put himself into this condition of being mortal in order to be able to die, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, when, when, when you hear that lifelong slavery, I'm, I'm willing to bet that most of us, you know, the first thing we think of is a slavery to sin. Jesus says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But there's also kind of a religious slavery that you can see in, in the, the keeping of the law. Because at 40 days, you have to offer the sacrifice. And every time this happens... You have to offer the sacrifice in order to be clean and over and over again. All of these rituals and all of these laws that God required, they were heaped up on the people. And and people got the impression that this was like this transactional religion. I do my thing and God will do his thing. It was a transaction of sacrifices in order to, to satisfy him and maybe to get what we want. He sets us free from that mindset. Sets us free from that type of slavery. And it goes on to say that Jesus had to be made like his brothers and his sisters in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. He was like us in every respect in order, in order to make propitiation. Anybody make propitiation for lunch today? That is a good 50 cent word. It's an important word. A propitiation is a blood sacrifice. And that's what Jesus came to be. The blood sacrifice to atone for our sins. And I put that last verse up there because so many people just take so much comfort in this. Because he himself suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. You may here ever tempted? Yeah, all of us. And Jesus gets it, because he was too. We retell the story of Jesus year after year, because Jesus came to fulfill the law for you. In the gospel lesson today, Again, important events in Jesus and Mary's lives. This is a beautiful example of their their piety and their life of faith. But it's also an important step for Jesus fulfilling the law for you. He stands with you under the law which condemns all of us. And even as a baby, Jesus begins to bear the burden of sin for you and for me. Even his mother's burden. Because ritually unclean, that happened every month for her. And it required sacrifices over and over again. And he pays for all of this to make her and all of us always clean in God's sight. He is taking all of the law's demands upon himself, including the the condemnation and, and the accusation. He fulfills all the requirements. And in doing so, he sets you free. Now, does that mean that the law doesn't matter anymore? Well, the ceremonial law, there's no temple. You can't offer sacrifices anymore. And besides, Jesus was the final sacrifice that has been given in order to set all of his people free and give us forgiveness. So the ceremonial law is not really needed. The civic law, well, Israel no longer exists as it did with God as its king. And besides, according to Romans, we are the new Israel who live not by law, but by grace. But that moral law That moral law still holds, but in a different way. It holds as a guide to Christ-likeness. It's a paradigm and an example of what does love look like when we live in relationship with one another. The law is there to, to show us what we should live like as free people. Because we are people who are set free to follow Jesus And live in his grace. Now does that law still condemn you? You better believe it does. That's why we come here. And we confess our sins. And I speak those words of absolution. That your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. We remember our baptism. Where Jesus washed our sins away. Where he delivered His righteousness to us. We come to the table. We receive Jesus' body and blood for, what for? The forgiveness of our sins. So this this law still kind of hangs over us because we're, we're broken. But Jesus is at work freeing us and delivering his salvation to us over and over again in the word and in these sacraments, reconnecting you to himself. Reconnecting you to Jesus, who fulfilled the law for you. Amen.